0: turning your attention this evening to the book of 1st Samuel, 1st Samuel chapter 22. And uh, we're going to read just a couple of verses of scripture, uh, verses 1 and 2 of 1st Samuel chapter 22. Didn't we have a beautiful time in the presence of the Lord this morning? God was good to us and blessed us and we thank Him for His goodness, Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 22 verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Amen. I just want to preach to you for just a few moments tonight. Not long, but just a few moments tonight on the subject, Gathered Unto the Captain. Gathered Unto the Captain. We go together to the Lord in prayer before we enter his word. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. I pray in the name of Jesus that you bless your word tonight. Bless the hearing of the word and those who receive it. I pray that you will cause it to find good ground in our hearts, Lord, that we may grow, that we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, God, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Here in 1 Samuel 22, we find a a unique scene in the Scriptures because David was a man of great purpose, a man of great destiny. God had plans for David. And, and, And yet, that's not quite what you see in 1 Samuel 22. You don't see David really fulfilling the plans of God As they would unfold to him. But instead you see a man that is on the run if you please. He's on the run from a wild man. Who has has set his target upon David. And is determined to bring him down. Now you you have to understand that David had an anointing of God upon his life. a, A unique anointing of God upon his life. Uh, His his greatest battles had occurred on the shepherd's field. He was able, by the strength of God and by the the power of the name of the Lord, to slay a lion that had come in upon the sheepfold for which he was responsible. The lion came in to, to kill those sheep, and David stood up to the lion and Defeated the lion. He did the same thing with a bear. A bear broke into the sheepfold and was going to kill the sheep. David smote the bear. David smote the lion. He was a valiant man. He did not shrink from his responsibilities. Jesus described an event in which a wolf might come in among the flock where an, a predator would come in among the flock. And he said that the, the shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep, but that a hireling, somebody who was in it for hire, for what they could get out of it only, would, would flee when the predator came in among the flock. But that the, the, the good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. David was willing to lay down his life for those sheep. He was willing to fight the lion and to fight the bear. Nobody was going to applaud him for it. His dad was going to be grateful. But David knew that it was his responsibility to keep the flock, and instead of abandoning them, he stood up against those forces that would come against them. It did, in fact, qualify him as a mighty man of valor. When the day came that Goliath would challenge the children of Israel in the Valley of Elah, And come up with this plan that that the Philistines would produce their most valiant warrior. And the Israelites would produce their most valiant warrior. And those two warriors would face off. And the outcome of that battle, one-on-one, mano-a-mano, would determine the outcome of the war between the Philistines and the Israelites. And David came as an errand boy, if you please, for his father to bring lunch to his brothers, who were all soldiers. And when he got there, he saw that they, along with every other soldier of Israel, were cowering from Goliath. And he said, who is this that dares to challenge the armies of Israel? Somebody said, well, he's the biggest guy we've ever seen. He said, well, who's going to take him down? Nobody. And David said, well, I'll do it. And they said, what are you doing here? We know the naughtiness of your heart. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? What a question. Because that is the reason why each and every one of us should stand in this day and do what the Lord has called us to do. There is a cause. There is a purpose. Is there not a cause David said, and eventually they brought him to King Saul. King Saul was the one perhaps that could have taken Goliath on, but he was cowering like all others. David went before him, and Saul said, now here's the problem. He said, you are but a youth, You're just a young person. But, but he said, Goliath has been a champion since his youth. He wasn't just big, he was a skilled warrior. And David said, I'm not afraid of that. He said, Why aren't you afraid of that? He said, Because I know the God of Israel. And he said, This God of Israel has delivered the lion into my hand. And he has delivered the bear into my hand. And he will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine. See, his name was Goliath, and we call him Goliath, but David didn't call him Goliath. David called him an uncircumcised Philistine. David recognized him for his spiritual inadequacy, if you please. David recognized that he had an advantage because he served the living God and Goliath did not. And so he said he's an uncircumcised Philistine and the God of Israel will give me victory over him. Famously, David walks down into the battle. Goliath sees him coming. And says, am I a dog that you would send this child out to fight with me? And David said, you can say all you want to say. Tell me that you're going to feed my carcass to the fowls of the air. Tell me that you're going to lay me down in this field and that I will become as nothing. But he said, the fact of the matter is, you come against me with sword and with spear." You come against me with natural weapons, but I do not come against you with natural weapons. I come against you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of Israel. And he proceeded to to sling a stone in the direction of this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, I don't know where David ever practiced his stone slinging. I don't know exactly how he overcame this lion or this bear. But I know that his trust in the Lord gave him ability that he otherwise would not have had. And the anointing of God was upon David. It was upon the slingshot. It was upon the stone. It was upon his aim. It was upon the trajectory of that stone. When he went forth in the name of the Lord, he took down the greatest opponent, that the children of Israel had faced in Goliath. This won him immediate, immediate fame. They began to write songs about him, ballads about David. And and that's what you do about your heroes. National heroes get ballads sung about them. Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier, killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett. And the maids would sing their songs. And one of the songs that they sang was, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul liked that verse, but he didn't like the second verse. The second verse was, but David has slain his ten thousands. And something about that generated an envy inside of Saul. Instead of Saul seeing it for what it was, which was that he had laid a foundation and David was building upon that and and taking Israel into the next era of victory. Instead, he became envious. Something gets a hold of a king when he begins to experience some success. He doesn't ever want his reign to end. But the kingdom of God isn't about one man. The kingdom of God is about God and his relationship with his people. And so David immediately became the target of Saul's ire. Saul's anger was directed at David until until he could not withhold himself from exacting vengeance and fury and rage against him. One time in in a dinner setting, he threw a javelin his way, trying to pin him to the wall. Not once, but twice he tried to kill David with a javelin. David escaped Saul's wrath. He was in denial, perhaps, to think that this man who he, he really esteemed, who was not only the king, but he was also his father in law, because David married Michael, his daughter, after, after Saul, after David had killed Goliath. And so he had a relationship with him both as in family and as him being king. He was a mentor to David. He he really encouraged David. He liked David until David started getting more attention than him. And it was a relationship that broke David's heart. David never had animosity toward King Saul. He never wanted to hurt King Saul. One time David, while he was a fugitive from King Saul, because Saul wanted to kill him. And the reason he wanted to kill him was he wanted to prevent him from being the king of Israel. Jonathan was David's friend, Saul's son. And, and, and Saul told Jonathan, stop being his friend. Don't you know that if he survives, you'll never sit on the throne? But Jonathan wasn't in it for self-glory. He wanted the will of God. And so was one particular day in which David saw that Saul was vulnerable. He saw him in the cave and he saw that he was vulnerable. The Bible says that when he approached him, he cut the, 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 just a piece of his garment and left with it. To let Saul know, I was here, I could have killed you, but instead I spared your life. His respect for King Saul was so deep that he even asked God to forgive him for cutting the cloth. Not just, not, he, it, was, it was a little passive-aggressive. He, was, he, was, he thought he was being noble by not cutting his throat, so he just cut his cloth to kind of say, yeah yeah you see what's up i could have i could have taken you out but i'm a good guy i spared your life and he repented to the lord and said god forgive me for even that passive aggressiveness oh if all of our hearts could be like that to where we would say god cleanse me of all of that all of that desire to get even all of that desire to send a, a message all of that desire to make my point and he, he just, he, that's the esteem that he had for King Saul. So to, to see him tucked away in this cave, Abdullah, to see him locked up in this fugitive state is truly heartbreaking. This man was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel, and he's tucked away in the cave of Adullam. I want you to know something. We read this passage. He is a fugitive on the run. He is being heavily persecuted by King Saul. He has been intimidated. He has been pushed back. He has been driven out of his rightful role as king of Israel. And now here he is in the cave of Dula. And the Bible says that when his father heard it, and his father's house, when his brethren heard it, they went down to him in the cave. The Bible says they weren't the only ones. But that everyone that was in distress and everybody that was in debt and everybody that was discontented, all of them came down to where David was and gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them, about 400 men. Now folks, this... Is not what he had in mind. When he considered his destiny. When he considered his purpose in life. He never dreamed. He thought he would. He thought he would marshal. The great armies of Israel. Not be a captain. Over those who were in distress. And those who were in debt. And those who were despondent and discontented. I mean this is. This is a motley crew that has gathered unto David. And and, and we can can recognize this a little bit. This is one of the things we need to understand. David was not able to relate to these people as long as he was sitting at Saul's table. They didn't know that they had anything in common with him. As long as the handmaids were hanging out the window singing songs, David has slain his 10,000. When fame and fortune were his lot, then nobody who was in distress or in debt or discontented felt like they had any access to him whatsoever. Here we see a picture of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings. Oh, hallelujah. The feelings. Of our infirmities. See we have infirmities. And then we have the feelings. Associated. With our infirmities. But thank God we have a high priest. A great high priest. Who is able to be touched. By the feelings. That our infirmities generate within us. Oh hallelujah. The very term itself. High priest denotes some kind of a separation between the priest and all who are outside the priesthood. The very reference, not just a priest, he's the high priest. In fact, when you look at the qualifications of the high priest in the Old Testament, you might believe that you And I, we would have nothing in common with the high priest of the Old Testament. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Exodus describing the high priest. This high priest had no blemish on his body. No kind of a scar, no kind of a blemish, no kind of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of any kind of a disruption upon his body. There was no sickness. There was no disease in him. He was blemishless completely. None of us can relate to that. We read the qualifications of the high priest and it's immediately apparent that none of us qualify for the role of the high priest of the Old Testament. And yet we look at our high priest, who is not Aaron, our high priest, who is not Eli, our high priest, oh hallelujah, who is not Eleazar, our high priest, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about our high priest, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We esteemed him not. Hallelujah. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was hanged on a tree. The Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, that we hid our faces, as it were, from him. He was stricken of God, smitten of God. He was afflicted. This man was full of grotesque mutilation in his crucifixion. Oh, he can relate to the feelings you have. We don't have a high priest that is so pushed beyond the realm of our ability to relate. This is not somebody who has to climb down from his ivory tower. This is not somebody who has to somehow come down from his lofty estate and and then listen to us paupers who have... No one else who will talk to us. This is the almighty God of heaven and earth who willfully was manifested in the flesh, who willfully was made of a woman and made under the law. This God that we serve is our great high priest. The Bible says that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. See, we want to know him in the power of his resurrection. But we will, we will not know him in the power of his resurrection until we know him in the fellowship of his suffering. There is a fellowship that occurs in suffering. When you have suffered, you are in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's nobody who suffered like Jesus suffered. There's nobody who experienced rejection the way Jesus experienced rejection. He came unto the world, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. The Jews saw him. They knew him. They knew who he was. They saw him in the scriptures, and when he showed up, He didn't look like they wanted him to look. And he didn't act the way they wanted him to act. And he didn't have the regalia that they wanted him to have. And they rejected him out of hand. Oh, he can deal and relate with your rejection. And we see in this picture of David with these men who are in distress and those who are in debt. Those who are discontented, we see a picture of those who are gathered unto Jesus, the King of the Jews, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the great I am, the altogether lovely, he who was first and is last, he who was and is and is to come, the Almighty God, the Good Shepherd, hallelujah, and the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the root and the branch, the one true and living God, the Holy one of Israel, the most high and the lofty one El Shaddai Elohim hallelujah, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God when he came down into this earth, he didn't hobnob with the rich and the famous he didn't try to develop a celebrity status, the scripture says that he took upon him the form of a servant and he made himself of no reputation There were many miracles that he would perform where people would receive their miracle and he would say, see that you tell no man. Don't tell anybody about this miracle. You say, well, doesn't that fly in the face of his great commission to go tell everybody? No, no, you got to understand. Jesus was not trying to make of himself any reputation. Jesus wasn't trying to get on the front, of, front cover of People magazine. Jesus wasn't trying to receive earthly praise for human behavior. He was... Interested in saving souls, saving sinners of whom we are chief. Oh, hallelujah. That was the ministry of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the people who gathered unto him were those who were in distress, and those who were in debt, and those who were discontented. It was those who were the rejects of society, those who were downcast, those who were downtrodden, those who were trampled underfoot, those who nobody cared about. He was even criticized because he received sinners and he ate with them. Now don't misunderstand. When he received sinners and ate with them, this does not mean that Jesus was out partying with the sinners. Some people like to to act like Jesus was out partying with the sinners, and that means that's what you need to do. Wrong. In Jesus' name. I rebuke that. In Jesus' name. No, the sinners didn't hang around Jesus because they they felt comfortable in their sin. They hung around Jesus because he gave them hope for liberty from their sin. He gave them hope to be delivered from their sin. And so they hung around Jesus for that purpose and for that matter. Jesus was not afraid. He didn't care what people said about him. If some woman broke into the room and interrupted the proceedings and fell down at his feet and started weeping over his feet and pouring oil over upon his feet and drying his feet with her hair. Jesus didn't stop her. He let the worship commence. And they were those who thought in themselves. If he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her worship him like that. But Jesus was just the opposite. He knew exactly what kind of woman this was. He came to give her hope. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah this is the case when, Zac- Z- when Zacchaeus climbed up into the sycamine tree and Jesus is walking along through the through the, the, the path and Zacchaeus is a shorter man and he couldn't see Jesus for the press so he climbed up into the tree so that he could see a good shot of Jesus, Jesus looks up into the tree and, and, and everybody holds their breath because they don't know what Jesus is going to say to Zacchaeus, is he going to condemn him to hell because he's a bad guy is he going to come uh, rip a the branch that he's sitting on off the trees, he's going to cast the tree into the water along with Zacchaeus? What's he going to do? And Jesus said, no Zacchaeus, today salvation is come to your house. I want you to understand that Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. And Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be rejected by the ones you love. The ones that you want to help. The ones that you want to be with. He understands what it feels like to be wounded when it's no fault of your own. He knows what it's like to be made sin. He understands the plight of every human being. He understands the pain and the sorrow and the turmoil of the human mind he understand hallelujah yes he's God but he's also man Yes, he's Jehovah, but he's Jehovah, our salvation. Yes, he is the voice on Sinai, but he's also the voice at the garden tomb that spoke to Mary. He understands, and those who are in distress and those who are in debt and those who are discontented can run to him in the cave of his suffering. They can take shelter in the arms of God. Hallelujah. Notice what that, what that says. It's distress or di-stress. di-stress. really is the way the word is, is used. It's that prefix di which, which refers to a splitting. It's where we get the word division. It has to do with two or, or more than one. And, and so when, when we talk about di-stress or distress, we're, we're talking about many stresses. Do you, know, do you know stress can do so much harm to the human body? Stress can keep you awake at night can deprive you of sleep can deprive you of friendships relationships can cause you to enter into a depressive state of mind stress 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 on the job stress at home stress at church sometimes dear God and God forbid but stress 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 stress, stress here and stress there that's what distress is that's what stress is and those who were in stress, many stresses they came to David in the cave and you can gather unto the captain inside the cave. Oh, hallelujah! Don't don't worry. Don't worry about fixing yourself up. Just come on to Jesus. Just come on to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's not going to push you out. He understands suffering. He understands being a fugitive on the run. He knows what it's like to be in hiding. See that you tell no man what I have done this day. Because he understands the pain and the plight of the human soul. So don't, don't try to fix it up. You're not fooling God. You're not fooling God. You don't have to to come gloss it over with Jesus and say, Lord, so Lord, I need to come to you right now. And and, and make sure you put a little old English in there just to kind of make God know you're holy and all that. Lord, I come unto thee. You don't say thee to anybody but Jesus. You don't say thou to anybody but God. God knows you don't say thee, thou heretofore, from whence and, and peradventure. He knows you don't do that. You don't have to to dress it up for God. Just open up your heart and open up your mouth and say, God, I've got a lot of stress. There's a lot of distress going on and I'm in debt and I'm discontented. I have a discontentment in my spirit. I have a discontentment in my heart. Oh, hallelujah. And some of you, some of you think that the distress and the debt and the discontentment is gonna be your absolute destruction. I've come to tell you that it's gonna to lead to your salvation because when you were out of debt and you had no stress and you were perfectly content in life, you didn't feel your need for Jesus. But now that you're in debt, distress, and discontented, you know you need a Savior. Some of you don't even need a preacher to get up and tell you you need a Savior. You know you need a Savior. I'm just telling you who He is. His name is Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you've been through or what you're going through. You can run to Him, and you can gather yourself unto Him, and He will receive you. Hallelujah, because he made himself like us. He understands what we're going through and what we're dealing with. He made himself like us. And so he gathers together this motley crew. Man, we are a sorry bunch of people sometimes. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Hallelujah, I don't deserve to be able to stand in this place and give him praise, but I'll do it for the rest of my life. I don't deserve to be able to lift my voice in song and say Lord you are good and your mercy endureth forever but I'm going to do it until the day I die and the day I die I'm going to do it for all of eternity and I'll never stop I'm going to be with the 10,000 times 10,000 singing worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. You're going to see me. If you and I both get to heaven you're going to see me. I'm going to be standing in that crowd. Worthy is the Lamb. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I don't care If I ever preach anything else, I just want to praise Him. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb because when I was distressed, He was there for me. When I was in discontentment, He was there for me. When I was in debt, He was there for me. When I owed a debt I could not pay, He was there for me understands my confusion hallelujah he understands my confusion he gives me joy in the midst of sorrow he gives me peace in the midst of my pain he he has been so good to me oh hallelujah that's how they arrived at David but that's not how they stayed David took those men and said all right you're in debt you're in distress." you're discontented just gather yourselves together because I learned some things on the shepherd's field and I learned some things on the battlefield and I'm going to teach you I'm going to teach you how to be a warrior glory to God I'm going to teach you how to sling a stone I'm going to teach you how to use a sword Glory to God. I'm going to teach you how to kill a lion. I'm going to teach you how to kill a bear. I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you the ways of the warrior. Hallelujah. And so he began to do it. And the Bible later, the whole book later, the Bible describes these men that were with him. He has begun to multiply himself. To where he's not the only giant killer anymore. To where he's not the only lion slayer anymore. To where he's not the only one who can kill a bar when he was only three anymore. He is churning out warriors he's become a captain over them oh I feel the Holy Ghost he's become a captain over them and those who were once in distress they're not as moved by stress like they used to be moved by stress it used to be that when stress would come along they would cave and they would collapse and they would stagger and they would stumble but they spent some time with the captain in the cave oh hallelujah they spent some time with the captain in the cave of their loneliness in the cave of their suffering they gave him their undivided attention and he said I'm going to give you victory over your stress and I'm going to teach you how to have power hallelujah over your discontentment I'm going to show you the ways of the warrior oh glory to God he began to churn out warriors from inside the cave. And they came out of that cave with a steely resolve. They came out of that cave with with, weapons and they knew how to use them I want you to know that when you suffer with Jesus Christ and you enter into the fellowship of his suffering and you spend undivided time with the captain of your salvation you're going to come out of that situation with weapons that you'll know how to use you'll know how to use the word of God it's not just going to be a leather bound book gathering dust on your coffee table but it's going to be something it's going to be a sword the sharpest sword that the world has ever known and you're going to know how to use it in times of great battle you're going to know how to use it when the enemy comes in like a flood you're going to be able to say to him like Jesus said to the devil in the wilderness it It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know where you gained that understanding of spiritual warfare? From the captain's teaching in the cave. Oh, hallelujah. That's where it happened. It didn't happen because you came out of the womb with that understanding. It happened because you were once in debt and distressed and discontented. And Jesus knows your pain. And he gathered you unto himself. Oh, hallelujah. He gathered you unto himself. I can hear Jesus say to Jerusalem, oh! Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem how often I would have gathered you, but you would not, I wanted to give you victory over depression, but you would not I wanted to give you victory over your debt, but you would not, I wanted to give you victory over, over the generational challenges that your family has faced, but you would not, I wanted to give you victory over your lost condition in your soul but you would not I'm going to tell you it's not a lack of willingness on God's part that's our problem it's a lack of willingness on our part God is ready all he needs is your undivided attention God is on the precipice of pouring out upon you blessings you cannot contain all he needs is your undivided attention oh hallelujah he had, one, he had one guy that had been in the cave with him, became a mighty man. You know they, the Bible calls him David's mighty men, the mighty men of David. His name was Joshua Bashibeth. That's not quite in the top 10 most popular names for children in 2019. but that was one of David's mighty men, Joseph. Bathsheba. Hallelujah, and Jos- Josheb, Bathsheba. I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna read to you what the Bible says about about Josheb, Bathsheba. Glory to God. Hallelujah. From Second Samuel, the Bible describes Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, and verse eight. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmonite that sat in the seat chief among the captains the same was adino the Aznite. and he lifted up his spear listen to what listen to what adino the Aznite did he lifted up his spear against 800 800 whom he slew at one time this he, he used to be in distress stresses would come and adino wouldn't know what to do adino would go running and hiding in a cave until he met the captain Until he spent time with the man of war. That's what the Bible says of God. The Bible says he's a man of war hallelujah. I want you to know you don't serve a weak God. You don't serve a God who is tiptoeing through the tulips trying to figure out who he is. No, no, no. You serve a man of war. He understands how to defeat the enemy. He told that serpent, you may have bruised the heel of the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. This, the God knows how to, if you'll gather yourself under the captain, he'll give you victory. If you'll gather your marriage around the captain he'll give you victory. If you gather your family under the captain he'll give you victory. This is why you need to be a church. This is why you need to be a worshiper. This is why you need to pray. This is why you need to know the word. The captain is trying to transform you into a warrior. Hallelujah. Adano slew 800 at one time. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo the Enohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. Sound familiar? They all fled like they did in David's day with Goliath. They fled, they hid. But not, not these men of David. Eleazar, one of the three mighty men. He arose He smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. Hallelujah. His hand was weary. His hand was tired. But the Bible said his hand clave unto the sword. Like his hand literally was gripped around the sword and would not let it go. That's the mighty man of David. That's the guy who used to be in debt, who used to be distressed, who used to be discontented with everything in life. Nothing satisfied him. He was begrudged about everything. But some time in the presence of the captain, hallelujah, gave him the ability to go and fight his battle. He arose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned, hallelujah, after him, only to spoil. After him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. This is what the Philistines would do. The Philistines would let the Israelites develop the harvest, sow the seed, and and get it growing, have a beautiful, bountiful, plentiful harvest, all set for the reaping, only to come in from the Philistines and the Philistines steal what the Israelites had developed. It was commonplace. And Shema said, Not today. Not today, Satan. He stood in the middle. Of that ground of full of lentils, the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it and he slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time, the cave of Dulem. He was there, and they they brought him, they brought him a drink of water from Bethlehem, because he said, I would long for a cup of water from the wells of Bethlehem. They went end of the wells of Bethlehem took it out and brought it back to him he poured it out on the ground he was so moved by their gesture he said I can't do it because it would be the drinking the blood of those that would jeopard their life for me he said far be it for me Abishai the brother of Joab the son of Zariah was chief among the three he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them and had the name among the three he was more honorable of the three he was their captain Benaiah son of Jehoiada he's my favorite Benaiah is my favorite Benaiah who had done many acts he slew two lion like men of Moab I don't even want to know what that was lion-like man lion-like men What he find it he's fighting the the X-men and he's taking them down. He's taking them down. Beniah, son of a valiant man, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Listen to this. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. It was, it was snowing, and he falls down into this pit, and there's a lion in the pit. Folks, if you're falling into a pit, that's a bad day. First off, it's snowing. It's March second, March third. It doesn't need to be snowing on March third, and it's snowing. That's already a bad day. Imagine trying to come to church on March third when the snow's falling, and you're you're being faithful and you're coming to the house of God, and on your way in you fall into a pit. That's a really bad day. Imagine if there was a lion in the pit. Oh, this this day couldn't get any worse. But he wasn't afraid of what would befall him in the day. Because he had been with the captain. He had been schooled and skilled in the ways of war by the one who knew how to fight the battle. And the Bible says that Benaiah slew the lion in the pit on the snowy day. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what your day is like and I don't know what lions you're facing or what pitfalls may welcome you, but you need to understand when you're gathered under the captain, you've got a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You've got a shield of faith. You'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You've got a helmet of salvation. You've got a breastplate of righteousness. The Lord has shown you how to fight the battle. Oh, hallelujah. 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 The Bible says he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. He went down to him with a staff. This man's got a spear. Benaiah's got a staff. He's going to lose this battle according to logic. But he took the spear out of the man's hand, slew him with his own spear. These are the mighty men of David. They weren't mighty when they found him, but they were mighty when he got done with them. And I want you to know that when you gather yourself unto the captain, he's going to do a work in your life. He's going to pull you up out of that distress. He's going to pull you up out of that debt. He's going to pull you up out of that discontentment. And He's going to give you the wherewithal to stand in the evil day when you've done all to stand. Oh, hallelujah. He's going to give you the wherewithal to have the victory in your life. The children of God don't need to be distressed. The children of God don't need to be beset by many temptations and snares, feeling like they are powerless against them. Don't you know you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you? Don't you know that the word of faith is nigh thee even in thy mouth? Open up your mouth and declare the word of God, the word of faith. Hallelujah. Open up your mouth and lift your voice like a trumpet. For God has given you the victory. Hallelujah. Could you just praise him with me right now? Could you praise him with me right now? Come on, and could you clap your hands unto the Lord and praise the Lord? Woo! Hallelujah! Come on, I need somebody who's ready to step up out of the distress and step up out of the debt and stress. step, step up out of the despair and say, Lord, I'm gathering myself unto you. I'm gathering myself unto you. I'm gathering myself unto you. Oh, hallelujah. Could you stand with me right now in the name of the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. We've been talking a lot lately, a lot, about getting shut in with God in a secret place. We've been talking a lot about about being close to Him, praying to Him, really setting our mind and our attention upon the things of the Lord. I want you to know that when we gather ourselves unto Him, it's good to be able to tuck ourselves away into the cave Of undivided attention with God. I don't know what's driven you into a cave. But don't run from it. Run to Him. Hallelujah. He can identify with your suffering. He can identify, hallelujah, with your pain. With your shame. Everything that you're feeling. He can identify with it. And it's going to pull you in. He's going to do a work on you. Hallelujah. He's going to begin to minister His, His great grace unto you. Hallelujah. You're, you're going you're to begin to lay down your burdens before Him. Lay down your cares before Him. Hallelujah. Do it right now. Just lay it down before Him. Why are you carrying this? You don't need to be carrying this any longer. You're trying to do God's job. God is the one who carries our burdens. God is the one who lifts the heavy load. Oh, hallelujah. Why are you carrying this like you once had carried it? Let the Lord have your burdens. Hallelujah, let the Lord have your burdens. I remember the old song, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Too many children of God are walking in with burdens and walking out with the same burdens. But bring them into the cave and say, Lord, here I am. In all of my indebtedness, in all of my distress, in all of my discontentment, I need you to help me. He's going to make a warrior out of you you didn't know you could be. You're going to slay cancers. You're going to slay doubts. You're going to slay demons. You're going to cast devils out in the name of Jesus. You're going to walk with God. Hallelujah. You didn't and listen, your suffering wasn't in vain. Your suffering was to gather you under the captain. You're suffering. What you've been through, what you've gone through, was designed to bring you into the cave with the captain. Glory. And he's going to teach you how to pray until somebody breaks through. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm looking for an army, I don't want those who haven't been through anything. You got it all figured out. You don't belong in this army. I need those who know they need the captain. I need those who've been through some things, who know what it's like to suffer in the valley, who know what it's like to struggle, to struggle, to struggle, to struggle, only to have the Lord God of heaven and earth come down, hallelujah, with healing in His wings. In Jesus' name, is there anybody here who knows what that's like? Anybody who's ready to enroll and enlist in the army of God? Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be His holy name. Come on, I'm making these altars open right now for somebody in Jesus' name that wants to say, Lord, I want to go from weakness to a warrior. I want to go from worrying to warring in the Holy Ghost. Lord, I'm tired of being fearful. I want to be faithful. Hallelujah. I'm tired, Lord, of of being in loneliness. I want to be in solitude with you. I I want to be with you, Lord. I want to be in your presence. Hallelujah. Make me, Lord. Make me in your image. Make me into what you want me to be. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. That's it. Bring it all to Him. I know we want you to bring your praise, but bring your pain too. Bring your pain too. Open up your mouth and give Him your pain and give Him your struggle. Give Him your sorrow. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, glory to God, glory to God, Hallelujah, glory to God, Hallelujah, glory to God. God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, yes. Burdens to the Lord, leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Leave. Hallelujah. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Burdens to the Lord. Come on, that's it. Gather yourself under the captain right now. Gather yourself under Jesus right now. Come on, those who are in distress. Come on, those who are in debt. Those who are in doubt. Those who are despondent. Come on, that's it. Bring your burdens. All of them. Hallelujah, Lord. If you trust. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. 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 Lord in Jesus' name, Lord, right now. Bless Sister Nikki in your name, oh God. Strengthen her in Jesus' name. Encourage her right now, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bless their family, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, precious Jesus. Leave it there. Oh, leave it there.